Come on, make some noise if you're ready to get started this morning. It's going to be a powerful, powerful day in the house as we look at week two of Love Handles. You can title it this if you're taking notes. I hope that you are. Um, but if you're taking notes, you can title it this baggage claim, baggage claim. We're going to talk about that today. So excited about uh, Valent. Hey, listen, Valent, listen, listen, we need to talk. Valentine's Day is coming up, okay? Don't wait till the day before to go get some a rose off of somebody's lawn because you forgot and you got to go clip it and then you end up in jail and then you call the pastor for prayer like I ain't going to be able to bail you out, all right? Uh, just go ahead and order from flowers.com, all right? When I, just go ahead, do it. Get your, get your Valentine's Day stuff up. Get your reservations in, men, all right? I know y'all were like, this is a made-up holiday anyway. It don't matter. Ain't made up in her mind, all right? So, so, so take care of her. No, Valentine's Day is coming up. We're excited. I'm excited about their marriage one night coming up in a little over two weeks, or a little less than two weeks. And so we're pumped about that. But today I want to go ahead and keep moving and love handles week two baggage claim. Does anybody in the room ever argue or fight with your significant other? Anybody? Anybody? The rest of you lie. The rest of you need redemption in your life. You know, nobody talks to us whenever we're enamored with beauty and we're enamored with you get off the phone first and you get off the phone. We're just so in love with the sparkle in their eye. You know, we, nobody talks to us about, fight, uh, about fighting and disagreements. I, I hear one couple, they say it like this. We're not fussing, we're discussing. I'm like, man, that, that's quite the discussion there. You're having there, guy. Um, so we're in this thing, and, and, and here's the truth, right? We can have some fun with it. We can talk about it. And you'll fight over dumb stuff, right? Like you just will in your marriage. You're going to fight over dumb things. You're going to fight over he didn't listen to me or she don't care about me. You're going to fight about, you know, chocolate milk instead of white milk. You're going to fight over the fact he got skim instead of whole milk. You're going to fight over stocks being left. You're going to fight over things you never thought you'd actually even care about. Let's let's fight about. And that's part of marriage. That's part of life. We've got to learn how to get through these things. And I don't do a ton of counseling because I'm going to be real honest with you today as your pastor. I am not a good counselor. I feel like I'm a pretty good pastor. I love people. I lead people. And I'll talk to you. Um, but here's going to be my answer. Like, when you tell me, well, this is what's causing a problem, here's going to be my answer. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to save a lot of you some, some time. Uh, stop doing that. That's it. Like, just, well, how do I stop doing that? Well, you just wake up and go, I'm not going to do that. And you don't do that anymore. And if you don't do that anymore, then that cannot cause a problem for you anymore, right? And I understand that's a little tougher for some people than others and that's why I say I got counselors I'll refer you to I'll throw scripture in we'll talk about Jesus but just stop you know and so I'll talk to people and inevitably when we talk about this the the concept of disagreements and fighting and and and, and all this comes up and, and so we have to listen and we have to talk and I really do enjoy helping couples through things like that and and, and because I like getting in the, into the weeds sometimes with people that I'm pouring into unfortunately I can't do it for everybody but I do for some, what I wish I could do for all. And the truth of the matter is, is I get into those things and I get into those conversations and inevitably every argument is because of some type of disappointment. And the truth is a disappointment is nothing more than an unmet expectation. 
And the problem is, is a lot of our expectations that we have are unexpressed. And so nobody has a chance to meet the expectation simply because we have no idea how to express it. He doesn't treat me this way, and she doesn't treat me that way, and this is an issue, and that's an issue, and she spends too much money, but you've never included her in a budget discussion. She doesn't have sex with me enough, but you've never talked to her about what that means and the baggage that comes along with that from her. Like, y'all like, I, I told you, radiate kids right out there, y'all. <laughs> you know, like, let's be real in this whole thing, you know, and, and here's where unmet expectations come in is a lot of times, here's what happens, the expectations we have in our current relationships are created by past baggage. Here's what baggage is. It's a preconceived idea that is carried into a current relationship based on a past experience. Let me re-explain re that. A baggage is a preconceived idea or expectation carried into a current relationship based on a past experience. Now, some baggage is good. Some baggage is like, I got great experience in the past, and you're going to carry that into your current relationship, and it's going to make you better. Some baggage, most baggage that most of us carry around, is so heavy that it makes us miserable no matter how happy we really want to be. And so we have to get into this thing, and I would venture to say that most of us are carrying a baggage that we were never meant to carry. We're hiding in baggage that we were never meant to hide in, and it's keeping us from everything that we pray for and everything God actually wants us to be. And it's creating dissension. It's creating division. It's creating divide in our relationships. And I just want, I believe that we're going to talk to an individual today because every couple is made up of unique and two unique individuals. And I believe that if we can fix ourselves, then we can fix the unit called marriage. If we can fix the marriage unit, we can fix the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Because we've all heard of generational curses, but here's the truth. Generational blessings are just as true. And so I believe if we can come to a place to where we worry about our baggage instead of their baggage. Come on. We can look internal instead of external. We can point the finger at us instead of them and we can find out our baggage and we can lay it down. I believe it'll change everything. I believe it'll change society. I really believe this. It'll change society. It'll change the world. So I've been saying that today is a game changer. It's a game changer for you. It's a game changer for your marriage, current or future. It's a, it's a game changer for this community. It's a game changer for this region. It's a game changer for this world. Because if we can fix this, I'm telling you, God is going to show up and something great is going to take place. And so I want to read to you a story. It's a little, little unknown story in 1 Samuel chapter 10. We're going to go verses 20 through 24 in just a moment. But I want to set it up. The Israelites have come out of the wilderness. They've come out of slavery. They're in this thing. Samuel is leading them and, and kind of the voice of God to them and, 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 and all this stuff. He's, God's speaking through him and through Moses and all this stuff. And the Israelites are like, hey, God, we want a king. We want a king to govern us. We want a king to help us. And God's like, no, you don't. Because government doesn't define you. Kingdom laws define you, right? I'm not taking a political stance. Some of you are like, yes, I wish he would say that. No, it's just, I put my allegiance in God, not in man. And so the truth is, is that's what he's saying. So he's in this thing and they're like, we want a king. And he's like, no, you don't. You got a king. His name is uh, uh, the father. His name is God. And he's here and I'm here to guide you and direct you. And they're like, we want a king. And so God is like, I'm sick of hearing you whine and complain. I'm going to give you a king. Literally, go read the story. And so they're finding out who God has asked and, and, and called to be the king of Israel, right? Through casting lots in the way that they traditionally did it in those days. And so we pick up in verse 20 of 1 Samuel chapter 10, and we're going to go through uh, verse 24. It says this. It says, thus Samuel 
brought all the tribes of Israel near. And the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. So in other words, the tribe of Benjamin was selected. So they're going to select the king out of the tribe of Benjamin, right? Then he brought the tribe of Benjamin nearby, its families. And the Matrite family was taken. So the families within the tribe was there. And so the Matrite family was brought in through the, the, the tribe, right? And so it goes tribe to family, right? And Saul was the son of Kish, was taken. And so it says Saul was now chosen by God to be the king of Israel. But when, get this, but when they looked for him, he couldn't be found. God had just promoted, God had just asked, God had just put Saul in the greatest position anybody in that nation could ever be over that, and it's king, right? And so he's in this thing, he's calling Saul to govern, and so they're about to promote him, but they can't find him anywhere. They have no idea where he's at. And so, verse 22, therefore they inquired further of the Lord. Has the man come here yet? In other words, is he even here, God? Like, you picked a man that ain't even here. You do realize he is absent. He's got an A by his name, right? And so, is the man even here yet? So the Lord said, behold, get this, he is hiding himself by the baggage. So they ran and they took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of them from the shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? Surely there is no one like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, long live the king. Get this. I want you to hear this. This is insane. The man's about to get the greatest promotion of his life. He's standing before an entire nation. He's standing before God. It shows that he has got broad shoulders and he looks better. He acts better. He's got more authority. He's greater than anybody that is standing before him. And they can't even promote him to his post because he's hiding in his baggage. How many of us have passed up our promotion because we're still hiding in our past baggage? How many of us are still standing back? in what's happened in the past and we're still controlled by what somebody else said and what somebody else did and what somebody else posted and who didn't post and who did post and who follows me and who don't follow me and all this other stuff. We're still consumed by that, that God's looking for us in a certain place to promote us to a place that he wants us to be, but we can't be found because we're hiding. We're hiding in our baggage. And today what I believe is going to happen and, and I know is going to happen is that our baggage is going to become real to us today. It's going to come out in a very tangible way. We're going to feel things that we don't want to feel and think things we don't want to feel. And here's what I believe. God needs to get us away from our baggage so that he can promote us to the place of our call. Somebody in the room? Anybody? I just believe that there's, there's a thing that is happening in the earth to where we are so consumed by offense and by baggage and by past experiences that our current and our future call can't be assumed and can't be uh, grasped in our lives because we're so worried about the past things that now everything has to fit in a suitcase that we're carrying that we weren't supposed to carry. Jesus said this, if you come before me and you lay it down, I will give you a burden that is light and my yoke will be easy. In other words, you don't have to carry the weight that you're carrying today. And I want to give you freedom today. Some of you are going to walk out of the room and you're going to let some things go that's been on you for 30 years. And it's affected everything in your life. But I've got to show you what that looks like and the, and the impact that baggage is going to have on your life if we're not careful and what that means. So I've asked a couple to come and help me out. And I've talked all year long or all series long about this is going to impact singles and engaged people and married and all this other stuff wherever we're at in a relationship status. So I asked Pastor Chris and his beautiful fiance Hope to come and uh, join me on the stage today. <laughs> Pastor Chris and... 
and Hope are amazing people and amazing leaders, and we love them so much. And I asked them to come and help me illustrate this today. Um, at first service, it was Chris Wooten and, and Heather Wooten, and they helped me illustrate it, and God moved in a great way. And uh, uh, how long have you guys been together? How long have y'all known each other? Year and two months. Yeah, you better answer that right. <laughs> you better answer that right. Year and two months, and 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 we're just amazed. Like they're, you know, uh, they're they're engaged. Their parents. Hope has a little girl. That how old is she now? She's one year old. Y'all give it up, man. They're doing an amazing job with Grayson, and. Um, we love them. So y'all just stand kind of like right here, right? Like right here. And um, y'all can hold hands because, you know, you are engaged and you, you love each other. You know, it's, it's love. Love is in the air. Anyway, so um, you hear that falsetto, Elliot? You hear that? Come on. Uh, did you hear that? I can hear Ooh. Anyway, so um, we, <laughs> we, <laughs> that was beautiful. You liked that, didn't you? That was better than his fault. His, uh, no? Okay. Anyway, no, he's good. All right, I'm just having some fun. We're going to talk about four things, only four things today, but there's so many more that can be in that baggage really creates for us. And so the way that this thing starts is like we get enamored with beauty, right? We get enamored with personality. We get enamored with who someone is and how they act and, and all this stuff. And it's, you get off the phone first. No, you get off the phone first. And it's, I love you. No, I love you. Oh, was that too soon? I'm sorry. I just got so excited. <laughs> And all this stuff, right? And, and, and we get into these things and what was one, and then we get married, we get engaged. And, and, and if you're not, I say this, to, I've said this to them and I say this to engaged couples all the time. Learn to enjoy the process of engagement and, and the time. Like don't get so caught up in a day that people are going to forget about in the month anyway. Like just enjoy the process of loving each other. And so they're in this and you go through that process. You get stressed out, but you love each other and all this stuff's going on, right? And then you get married and what was once cute is now a little, a little, I was going to say a little less cute, but we'll go with annoying, right? Praise God. I, that's why some of y'all don't get microphones. And so we, and, uh, so you're in this thing, and, and it's just life, and it's what takes place. But if you're not careful, we will carry past baggage into current and future relationships, and it will dictate and determine the way that we treat someone, and we'll cause someone to pay a price that they ne for something that they never wanted to begin with. I say it like this in leadership. If you're not careful, you'll bleed on people that never cut you. You'll bleed on people that never cut you. You'll, you'll get to a place to where the person that did you wrong doesn't have to pay the price, but the person that's trying to do it right will. And it's painful and it's hurtful and it creates a divide. And so I want to kind of illustrate that. Pastor Chris, if you'll come back here, hope you can just hang out right here and just have your beautiful smiling face right there. And, and Pastor Chris, um, we'll pray for you. And um, No, I'm just kidding. We're going to put you right here. But in just a minute, I want to show what it looks like whenever we carry baggage in. Because baggage creates all these thoughts in our process and, and all these things in our lives that can create a divide between us. And the first one, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, baggage will take and all of a sudden we'll begin, and we'll begin, just shove that down in there, to have unnecessary offense. We'll get offended about everything. We'll get frustrated about everything. If, if we're not careful, the, the past baggage will create an offense within us that now it's like this. It's like an open wound that is never healed, but when you start pushing on it, it hurts. And we got to come to a place where we understand that offense is not how we were supposed to live. I, I think we live in this woke society today. All it is is a society where we want to get offended by everything. We're not woke about anything. We're offended about everything. 
And the truth of the matter is, it's because we are hurt by something, but now everybody else has to pay the price. And everything, everybody else that didn't hurt us, everybody else that loves us, everybody else that's trying to do good, whenever they hold us accountable to a spiritual sense, or they hold us accountable, then all of a sudden now they're the bad guy and they have to pay a price for something they didn't do. And I'm, I'm reminded in this when we talk about it in Psalm, Psalm chapter 103, in, in verses 11 through 12, I love this set of scriptures that says this, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. And then get this, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Please hear me today. Please hear this above anything else. Nothing in your life is too big for God. When we live in a state of offense, here's what inevitably happens. That there, this hurt that I went through, this pain that I went through, this experience that I went through, nobody else has ever gone through it and it's the biggest thing that's ever happened in the world because woe is me, nobody else can deal with the pain that I've been through and nobody else is going through it and nobody this. And I understand, I know. I know what they did to you. You can't fathom anybody else ever going through it. I know what they said. It's the worst thing and it's ruined your whole life. But I'm here to tell you that there is nothing. It says as far as the heavens are from the earth, as far as the heavens stretch, he loves you and he takes every transgression, not that's just done by you, but that has been done to you and he throws it as far as the east is from the west and it is not held accountable to you. It does not have your name on it. He's forgotten about it. He doesn't worry about it. As long as we submit our lives to him, he's got it. But we hold ourselves and we hold others captive based on something that he's forgotten about. And so we look at our spouse or we look at our fiance or we look at our, our, our relationships. And I would venture to say this goes in church relationships, personal relationships, parental relationships. It goes in everything. Is this that we create this divide because nobody can say anything to me because I've got a wound from what they did, but you got to pay the price. You got to pay the price of me snapping back. You got to pay the price of it all. You got to pay for this. And we have to choose, hear me today, in order to fix, the only way to fix offense is to allow the wound to heal. It's to allow the wound to heal. Because here's what offense is like. When I don't choose healing, then what happens is a lot of time I will complain about the pain. It's like this. I have an open wound, but I won't go to the doctor and I'll blame you for the pain. That's offense. That's lack of healing. I've heard it said this way, and I've said it from the stage several times. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Offense is not created. Normally, people don't get mad at the person that they're mad at. It's a past experience that has now bubbled up into the culmination of the moment that you're in. You're not mad. I mean, you may be perturbed, but you're not like angry that they left their socks on the bedroom floor. What you're angry about is you have an unmet expectation that has created disappointment in your relationship and you haven't expressed that properly and now they can't do anything to win. And so now you live in a state where a wound has been created that has not been healed and every time somebody touches the wound, it turns you off and it hurts you and it sets you off and you get fired up and all of a sudden every single person in life is against you. And it has nothing to do with socks. It has nothing to do with ignoring you. It has nothing to do with the way they looked at you. It's that we've allowed it to bubble up like a volcano and eventually it's going to erupt. 
And if we're not careful, the baggage of our past, hiding in the past baggage of our lives, then we come to the place to where when we hide in it for too long, we think everybody has the same intentions as the baggage that hurt us. Please pick up on that. When we hide in our baggage, when we hang out in that hurt for too long, we think every single person we encounter has the exact same intention as the one that hurt us. And so now, instead of talking through it and talking through it and, and figuring it out and coming to a, 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 a and fighting fair and having conversation and having discussion, now it's, you've offended me and you this and you that. And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And now there's this divide, and though small, and it can be overcome, can build into something greater. Why? Because I'm offended by them and I'm taking it out on you, which creates a divide between us. And now we can't be what we were supposed to be in our relationship because of everything that happened to me in the past. And we've got we to gotta understand that offense, offense is not something to hang our hat on. I think a lot of people walk around like, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I'm offended. I'm offended. I told them what I think. Sometimes, you know, the Bible says be slow to speak. I don't know, y'all. Slow to speak. Don't be fast to speak. Some of us are way too fast to speak. Some of us are not fast to speak. We fast to type. Can I just say Facebook ain't your counselor? Facebook will ruin something you've taken 30 years to build in 30 seconds. And you can't get it back because they don't care about the good things. They only want the drama. All right, I got to keep going. All right, so <clears throat> it creates unnecessary offense. The second thing, if we're not careful, is baggage will create something in our lives that really comes from offense. Here you go. And it, 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 we'll put it right there. And what happens is now we distrust everybody. So we're offended, and not only are we offended, that works too. He's proven me wrong from earlier today is what he's doing. I, I understand what's happening because in staff meeting on Tuesday, he's going to, I fixed your illustration, pastor. I'm just kidding. Maybe not, but I am. So that's distrust right there. Offense. So if we're not careful, baggage will create offense, but it'll also create distrust. It'll create a moment to where I can't trust you. I can't take you at your character. I only take you at the contents of my baggage. And the contents of my baggage are not good, so therefore you can't be good because nobody's good because now I'm offended at everything and I have to take you at their character, not yours. I have to take you at the thing that hurt me, not, not your character, not the fact that you may have actually meant something good by that. Like, not, 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 you know, whenever you said that to me, you probably, I know your character and I know your heart. And because I know that, I know that you actually meant something positive out of that. But it was a really stupid time to say it. Men ever done that? It was a really bad time to say it. It was a really bad thing to say. But the truth is, I know what you meant. And so therefore, I won't hold it against you. And I'm not distrusting. Because here's what distrust does. Distrust causes us to be elite, uh, 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 connected to someone as long as they're giving us what we want. As long as they're agreeing with us, as long as they're pushing our agenda, as long as this, and then the moment they turn, the moment we no longer get what we want from them, now we go, I can't trust you anymore. And we make statements like this. You have to earn my trust. I've made a mantra in my life that I'm not going to make anybody earn my trust, but you're going to have to earn it back if you lose it, because I'll freely give it. I'll freely give it. 
I'm not naturally distrusting. I'm naturally very trusting. And so the truth of the matter is we come to this thing to where baggage now creates distrust. And there's one thing to be guarded. There's one thing to be skeptical. There's one thing to be like, ah, I'm going to see how this goes and pray about this. It's another thing to go, no, I don't trust you. Because here's what I'm saying when I say that. I don't trust you. I don't know you. And I'm looking at God and going, hey, your child, I don't trust your child. You didn't invest enough in your child to make them a good person. And because of that, they will not get into my life. Distrust creates another divide. And so now, whenever they want to get into our life, now whenever they want to know our, our business, now whenever they want to know what we're thinking, how we're feeling, what's going on, and we want to talk about these things, now we just distrust them because they have an ulterior motive. Psalm chapter 118 Verse 8 says it this way. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust man. So distrust, here's where distrust comes in. Distrust comes from displaced trust. Distrust comes from the fact that I put so much trust in you that my faith, my life, my validation, my justification, and, my, and who I am in life is based on your approval of me, not God's. And so now because of that, because they didn't approve of me, they didn't validate me, I was bullied as a kid and I got this and I got that and my previous marriage said this and my previous father said that and all this other stuff, what happened is, is now I put all my justification in that and now I live my life distrusting anyone because my validation comes in people, not God. Hear me today, like that's what distrust is. And I'm here to tell you that whenever we take refuge in the Lord, we can trust him. We can go, I know that this situation hurts and I know that this is painful and all this stuff. But God, I know that you got something greater for me and you've forgiven my transgression as far as the east is from the west. And I know in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love him. And, and God, I understand all of that. And I know that, but I don't want to distrust God. I got a, something deep down on the inside and here's what happens guys hear me the distrust then goes to displacement to where an intimacy isn't possible and I'm not just talking about physical I'm talking about like emotional mental we can't connect anymore because now we've got offense I'm offended by anything you say to me because I don't trust you anyway I love you I, I there's so many couples I want to look at and go you love them but you don't trust them and until you trust them you can't fully love them we have to trust each other. Listen to me. Trust is not, I can't trust you whenever I look at you and go, here's my heart. I know that you're going to take care of it. Many of us wait to know how they're going to treat us to trust somebody. Trust is going, hey, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give you my heart. And I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of it. And here's the truth. Hear me. We're all humans in the room. I know that's revelation. I know it's difficult to understand. Everybody in the room today is a human. And we're all going to screw it up. We're all going to mess it up. Your spouse is not perfect, so stop treating them that way. Your spouse is not the one that you are supposed to trust more than anything. God is. I, as your pastor, am going to mess it up. I'm going to do things, say things, and act ways that you don't like, and that's okay with me. Your spouse is going to, your leader is going to, your friends are going to, your life group is going to, your boss is going to, the worker at Target is going to, the worker at Food Lion is going to, the person on the road that cuts you off whenever you're running 20 minutes behind for work tomorrow is going, it's going to be okay, everybody's going to let you down, everybody's going to turn you down, the problem is, is that I don't trust them, I trust God. My validation is in God. I may trust them with life, but I do not trust them with my validation, I do not trust them with my justification, that is from God and God alone. Can I tell you something? The way my wife feels about me today does not determine how God thinks about me. 
Because I'm going to do something stupid and my wife's going to be really ticked off at me. It happens all the time. Mainly because I'm a man. No. It just, it's life. But God still looks at me and goes, that was really dumb, but I love you. Trust in God. Don't allow baggage to create distrust. Hope I'm going to get you involved now, okay? Because you've just been standing there like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand what's happening. You can grab one of those and, 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 and push it down in there, and it's this. The third one is harmful mentalities. Yeah, there you go. Harmful mentalities. If we're not careful, harmful mentalities can creep in through our past baggage. And here's what happens with harmful mentalities. I believe the enemy fights us. There you go. Be the support for her. Praise God. <laughs> I believe the enemy fights us through our minds more than he does anything else. I think that's why Paul said that you need to renew your mind by the... You need to renew your mind. Renew your mind. By trusting in God, renew your mind. And, and here's the truth, man. We, we get into these things and past baggage create these mentalities that aren't even real. They're false. They're not true. They're lies. And we believe them no matter what. We can believe that everybody's against us. We can believe that everything is against us. Nothing is going right. There can be nothing. Hey, you got this. Here's, what, here's a harmful mentality. We will focus on doing rather than being. Because the enemy will convince us this. The devil will convince us of this. That the more I do, the more I can be. And what happens is, is I lose who I'm called to be in Christ because I'm more worried about what I'm accomplishing than who I'm becoming in Christ. And now at the end of the day, I get so tired because busyness is now something we hang our hat on and I've got to be busy. Well, how are you today? I've been busy, brother. What's going on in your life? Man, I don't even know. I've been so busy. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we're like, hey, I'm proud. I'm busy. My name is busy. Woohoo! You know, like, no, that's not a justification for who you are. In fact, Jesus would say it like this. Sometimes we need to slow down and get in the quiet of who he is to know that who I am, because who I am is not wrapped up in what I'm doing. It's wrapped up in who I'm becoming, and that is in Christ. That is in Jesus through the cross of Jesus. It's not based on what you're doing. I don't care what your paycheck says. I care what your heart becomes. That's, we come into this mentality of do, do, do. I have to do all the time. If I'm not doing, I'm not becoming. And I'm re I would venture to say that you can become something great and go at a slower pace than anybody else. And then we, we focus on defending and justifying everything. I have to earn my justification from him or from her or from them or from that because I, I, I'm not worthy enough and I'm not good enough. And so we worry about defending and justifying rather than taking responsibility. I'm here to tell you, I think the world will be a different place if we just take responsibility for our problems. I believe that we need to look and go, hey, if there's a common denominator in every problem and that common denominator is me, maybe the common denominator needs to be dealt with and it's not everybody else's problem but mine. You know, I, like I'm in this thing to where I just believe that we need to come to a place of self-awareness and go, that's my fault, my bad. Now, not everything is your fault, but take responsibility for what is. I say this to, to, to our leadership all the time. You eat the meat and spit out the bones. You learn from what's good and you spit out what's not. You quit hanging on to it. Quit getting choked on a bone that was never meant to teach you anything. Like the reality is, is we got we to gotta stop defending and justifying and just be who we're called to be because what happens is these harmful, harmful mentalities creep in and now we're making them pay the price for something they were never wanted in the first place. 
And then we focus on keeping everything that we have because if I let it go, then I'll never get it again. And the word of God, the kingdom of God tells me that I'll, he blesses an open hand, not a closed one. The Bible tells me that whenever I give love to my spouse, I'll get it. The Bible tells me when I sow a seed, I reap a harvest. The Bible tells me when I'm generous with my finances, he's generous with his. The Bible tells me when I'm generous with relationships, he's generous with his. Like the reality is, is we create these harmful mentalities that creep in and they hurt us and, and, the, and the enemy is having a heyday with us. He's like, yeah, I got them right where I want them because I've got them believing something. And then 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says this. Are you with me today? Yeah. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, uh, creature. Uh, old things pass away, all things become new. Here's the reality. I don't have to live in an old mentality whenever I've been given a new life in Christ. I don't have to be living in a mentality of victim mentality. I don't have to live in a mentality of offense. I don't have to live in a mentality of distrust. I can live in a mentality of victory through Jesus because I've been made a new creature, a new creation, and who I was has passed away. Who I was is gone. I don't have to live like that anymore. I don't have to battle the same addictions. I don't have to battle the same mentalities. I don't have to battle that stuff. I'm new, not old. I'm somebody different now. And it can happen overnight. But whenever we allow these mentalities to creep in, then it creates a division between us and our spouse. And then the last one is, is a culmination of all these other things. You can just slide that one right up in there. It's a culmination of all these other things. And the fourth thing is, Chris, hold all those for me. Praise God. Slide on up. Insecurity. So no, I, now I'm insecure in who I am. I didn't, I didn't do this as a spectacle for her because she struggles with that. I'm doing this because when we're insecure in who we are, we can't be, be who they need us to be. And we can't be who God called us to be. And so intimacy of emotions and body and mind and spirit become not a reality for us because after all I'm not good enough and the only way I'll ever be good enough is to fix this and to fix that and to do this and to do that and so we get more worried about what we're doing it's all coming full circle we get more worried about what we're doing than who we are and I'm insecure in who I am and so therefore they are now deprived and if you pay attention now all the baggage has created a defied it's created a fence it's created a wall between what was once a close couple standing right here loving each other. And here's what happens when you're on the other side of the fence. The problem is, is you think you can get away with things that you never should be able to get away with because the other person's on the other side of the fence. And after all, they can't see what you're looking at on the computer. They can't see the text messages you're sending. They can't see the extramarital relationship or the work husband and the work wife that you've got. Because they're on the other side of the fence and you feel so divided that they would never know what's going on in your life to begin with. And the truth of the matter is, please hear me today, I'm just going to hit this thing head on. The truth of the matter is, if we aren't careful, the divide will be our des destroyer. Because the enemy, hear me today, we, got, we talk about this all the time, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. I want to tell you, a marriage divided against itself cannot stand. The enemy isn't going to come in in one fell swoop and make it happen. He's going to create a divide between you. To where now you're not married, you're roommates. You can't pray the same, think the same, talk the same. You don't even know what's going on in each other's life anymore. 
In, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, we got to work on our security and know that who we are. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 says this. I love it. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Please hear me today. Let's turn this back around on us. Before the baggage that you deal with and hide in happened, he chose you. God didn't look at Jesus and say, hey, you got to love hope. He chose to love hope. God did not look at Jesus and say, hey, you got to love Chris. He chose to love Chris. Right in our mess, right in our muck, right in our mud, right in our mistakes, right in everything that we would deal with, right in our baggage, he said, I choose you. I choose to redeem you. I choose to love you. I choose to honor you because you are my child. Above anything else, you're my child. And I love you and I choose you before the foundations of the world were ever created. The thing that has offended you doesn't define you because he loved you before it ever offended you. So what would happen? How do we fix this? How do we take this divide? Because some of you are sitting in here today and you're going, this is me. There's a divide. Maybe you can name 12 other posts that have created offense between you and your spouse or you and your life. Here's what we do. The Bible says to lay your burdens down before the Lord. So what would happen if one by one, take a step back for What would happen if one by one, we took these and we just said, God, here's my insecurity. Hey, God, here's my harmful mentalities. And I struggle, God. It's a, it's a battle every single day. Hey, God, here's my distrust. I don't trust anybody. I've been taught not to trust anybody, but I want to. Hey, God, here's my offense, my unnecessary offense. And I, I lay it down before you. What would happen if we laid them down? is now what once divided us and we're on each side, now, go ahead and walk across to her. It becomes a bridge instead of a divide. Stand up right there, Hope. It becomes a bridge instead of a divide. What once divided us now connects us. And God looks and goes, your mess has become the very tool that if you'll lay it down before me, I will use it to bring you back together in a way that you never thought possible because that is the glory of my God. That is redeeming story of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because here's what we have to do. When we have the divide, when we have the fence separating us, we can't get over it. It, it, it's there and there's no way out. I can't see your face. I can't connect with you. But when we lay it down and we stand on it, God says, hey, not only does it connect you with your spouse, but it connects you with me. The ravine that divided humanity from God is connected with a bridge of his cross and his love and hear me in your mess. So I'm here to say this today to marriages, to individuals, to relationships. Don't allow what the enemy has convinced you of to separate you from the one that he chose. Don't allow 
What the enemy is trying to convince you of. Don't allow the offense. Don't allow the past baggage to keep you from the promotion of a marriage that you've been praying for. Don't allow the past baggage to keep you from a relationship with him. Stand on it. Lay it at the cross. Let it bridge the gap. Let it come to a place to where you and your husband will be closer than ever before. To where you and your spouse, your wife will be closer than ever before. To where you and God can be closer than ever before. I know it hurts. I know there's pain. I know there's frustration. But I'm here to tell you, if I'll get out out of the baggage the promotion is waiting for me on the other side of redemption on the other side of grace on the other side of love I don't have to be defined by it I can be drawn closer to his heart by it if I just lay it down the very thing hear me that used to divide you is now the very thing that bridges you closer you can love at a level that you never actually even thought possible. If you would stand to your feet with me today. I just, my heart is not to preach this story and this illustration and this thought and let's go home and do nothing with it. My heart is that we're walking out of here different. That we're walking out of here, I'm different, she's different, he's different, and the world is affected because my baggage doesn't create a divide, it creates a bridge now. Remember the scripture and I'm going to pray. His spirit is made strong in my weakness. That's the love of my God. That's the love of my Father. With eyes closed and head bowed, I just want to ask this question because there's some people in the room that may need to answer this in a real way and say, Pastor, I just the first thing I got to do to lay it down is I got to get into a relationship with Jesus to begin with. I need to accept his love and his grace. And I never looked at it the way of my mess, creating a bridge for his redemption and his grace and forgiveness in my life. And I need to start with him today. I want to give him everything I have. And if that's you and you're in the room and you want to start a new life with Jesus today in the kingdom of God, would you just raise your hand right where you are and I'd love to pray with you this morning amen yeah anybody else you're going to fill a clipboard slip into your hand and we're going to pray that prayer and that clipboard is just something I want you to fill out so that we can give you some resources and walk this thing out with you but I just want to ask everybody in the family of Radiate Church today to pray this prayer with me out loud dear Jesus thank you Thank you for loving me right where I am in my mess. I want to walk with you. I want to follow you. Forgive me of who I was, am, and ever will be. And help me to walk with you in your love. Thank you for making room for me in the family of God today. Church, can we make some noise for one person that walked into the family of God this morning? Now with heads, heads bowed one more time, I watched hands go up all over the room in the first service. And I believe there's something power in physical demonstration of submission. And I just wanna ask this, if you're in the room and you'd go, I got some baggage that I've been hiding in and I gotta let go of, 
and I need to lay it down and I need to work on not letting it divide me but bridge me if that's you and you're in the room and you need that prayer today and you got some things to let go would you hold your hands up really high right where you are just physical surrender right now yeah Father God, with every hand that is raised in this room right now, God, I just pray that you take the mindsets, you take the insecurity, the distrust, the offense, you take everything that's dividing us from current or future spouse, you take everything that's dividing us from you, you take everything, God, and you would lay, we would lay it down and you would throw it as far as the east is from the west and as your love is as high as the earth is, from, uh, the heavens are from the earth, God, you love us in our mess and God, I pray right now, Father, that something would rise up with in us, God, that there is nothing that we won't lay down. Our pride, God, our, our, our intentions, our expectations, our baggage, our hurt, our pain. God, we will be different when we walk out of here. We will not be the same. Generations will be restored after this decision today. God, that we would use it as a bridge to your glory, a bridge to your holiness, a bridge to your love. God, I'm declaring victory in this room today. In your name we pray. And everybody shouted, amen. Radiate Church, bring somebody with you next week. It only gets better. I love you. Let's go change the world.